Hello and welcome to Seeing Saw, the official Saw podcast. I'm Catherine Bray, self-professed Hoffmaniac and Billy Ringtone user. And sitting next to me is this treat of a co-host. I'm Anna Bogutska, film critic, author, host of the Final Girls podcast and part-time student at the Jigsaw School of Philosophy. And today's episode is an absolutely massive one, isn't it, Anna? It's time to meet the ex. Best ex of my life. <laughs> so this is all about Saw X, which is out in cinemas now. And we're going to be talking to director Kevin Groitert, who not only directed Saw X, but has been involved in the franchise since uh, Saw 1. But don't worry, there will be zero spoilers for Saw X, so you can just relax, put on your reverse bear trap shaped headphones and listen in. Kevin, we are so deeply appreciative of you giving up a bit of your day to chat to us. It's genuinely a pleasure and an honor. First of all, thank you for having me. It's good to good to see you guys. And uh, uh, it looks like you're in a jigsaw lair yourself. We is are. Is that the way your your workplace always looks? This is just my bedroom. No, uh, this is the sore. <laughs> this is the sore experience in London. Okay. Wow. Well, that explains it. We wanted to kick off with something that Mark and Oren, the producers, mentioned in our chat with them. They said that you're one of the people who has seen every single frame of every single Saw movie ever made. Do you feel like you are the person who knows the universe of Saw better than anyone else in the world? Well, so as far as, um, as, far as having seen all the Saws, I, uh, not only have I seen all the Saws, but I've seen all the footage. Like, mm -hmm. Which, of course, for every movie is uh, is ten to hundred times more time wise than what you actually see when you just watch the, the completed movie. So, um, I guess I guess I have done the deepest dive of anyone because uh, I know I'm only credited as editor for some of them, but I I did editing on all of them. Yes, I know it well, but I can tell you that um, when I'm looking at the fan forums right now. I see all sorts of questions asked, particularly about, uh, you know, some of the older ones, like, you know, the art character in Saw 4 and lots of these more minor characters. And I'm, I just really have to think like, who, what? And then think about it for a while. And I think, uh, I think after I finished Saw 7, I went through a period of uh, kind of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind where I'm like, time to move on, uh, looking forward to the day. And it, will take years and it did take years where I go through a day without thinking about saw at all. <laughs> and that, that eventually happened. And I know, I know that sounds, uh, you know, a bit harsh, but at the same time I had been in it so deep, it was a, you know, hugely pivotal, uh, uh, saga in my life. Uh, of course it made me an editor and then it made me a, a director, but still there, there is a point where you have to move on. And, um, uh, you know, and then of course i worked on on two more before I came back as a director. But by the time I did that, I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm back, <laughs> you know? And uh, so am I, the, am I at this point the greatest Saw expert? I don't think so. I think I was for a while, but if I was going toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe against some of the fans, they would win in a trivia contest. I'm trying. I'm wondering whether we'll ever have that day where we don't think about Saw at least once in any given <laughs> it's day. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> First thing I happen. think of when I wake up. It's it's good to know that somewhere in the world, there's probably several thousand people 
thinking about so. <laughs> sort of a sore hive mind i'm trying to put actually i'm trying to sort of um, my maths is terrible but if um there are 10 small movies and you've watched kind of basically all the footage that was shot for each one how many hundreds of hours of footage is shot for each one i'm trying to work out how many hours of saw you've experienced it's a lot i mean saw one for sure uh, we had the least footage and uh i think i think that james shot about one hundred and thirty thousand feet of film on that um but making that it's about 10 minutes every thousand feet so it's still it's still a lot they call it the shooting ratio you know between how much is used and how much um uh, how much is not used. And uh, in all of them, it's at least 10 to one. And in the case of this movie, I shot so much more footage than I ever had. And uh, I'll bet there was twice as much footage for Saw X as there was for any other one. Wow. And I don't think it's all shot on foot, is it? But if it was, it would be amazing as well to think about how the, the length of <laughs> Saw, like would it be to the moon and back? Or? Uh, maybe not the moon. Maybe <laughs> L- London. <laughs> and what a mess it would be. <laughs> um, it sort of sounds like um, as an editor, you would almost expect an editor to shoot less footage because it might be less work but actually it's not that way around at all is that you shoot more footage so that you have an easier job in the edit yeah i mean that's the thing i uh i've been kind of at, at, at the other end where i'm editing footage shot by other people and and uh i'm glad that they feel confident that they've managed to cover a scene but sometimes when i get it i'm like uh okay where's the close-up you know where's the, where's the this shot where's 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 you know amanda's angle Oh, it's not there. Uh, I guess we just have the wide shot, you know, that kind of thing. So I just make sure I really have it. And and I also like to think I'm good at knowing what to do when we're running out of time and my shot list is going to fail. And this happens about 11 a.m. every single freaking day. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to consolidate and say, well, I'm not going to be able to get these two, but I can get them in one by doing that. So that's where being an editor serves me. But yeah, I, I I do wind up shooting a lot more stuff, I think, than the average. But in the case of a movie like this, I do feel like, except for the scenes that were wholly deleted, I do feel like I um, used pretty much everything. I used pretty much every angle that I shot, right? So it wasn't a waste. Please tell Tobin Bell that because... He's the one that had to <laughs> do the acting over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, is that a good time to to start asking about Tobin? Because, I mean, there's so much we want to know. Especially in this film, because he really gets to, he really gets the space to shine and to flex his acting muscles. And we see so much more of not just Jigsaw, the villain that we've come to know and respect <laughs> over the last two decades, but also the man and kind of the way that he becomes this um this terrifying person can you talk a little bit about kind of the given tobin the range and the material to to really flex his acting in a way that we haven't seen before in this franchise you know tobin tobin makes it very personal his his relationship to john kramer and uh he he has a kind of integrity that spills over to the entire team where we have to we have to really sort of respect the rules that we've created over the over the course of the series. So uh, he's he really is the beacon for what makes this franchise work, even though I don't know that any any one of us has a full grasp of it. You know, that's kind of the nature of movies. But at the same time, there is a kind of lightning in a bottle quality to Saw where 
he and I don't really like to talk too much about exactly what Jigsaw's MO is and exactly why this character appeals to, you know, to such a broad audience. And, um, you know, I definitely don't want to, <laughs> don't want to curse anything. And I don't want to say anything that's, uh, you know, contrary to, to him, because I, I think we're in sync, but he's always kind of John Kramer uh, as a person. The good John Worrying. Kramer. Worrying. But, but, <laughs> but he's, you know, I think, I think that's why he's so good in this movie is that he's, he's trying to, to sort of use his own humanity to give that new level to, to John. And, um, and it's kind of a miracle to see because obviously he's, he is who he is. He's Jigsaw, right? And so, of course, Tobin Bell is not really like that. But um, he has a lot of mannerisms in in the film, and uh, and and even you know, of course, he wrote a lot of the dialogue for the film. But that that are that are that come from him, right? And uh, you know, he's he he has his own personal convictions about a lot of subjects that would never come up in a Saw movie. But it still feels to me like it like it colors the character and, and the performance. So, um, uh, and I can say that even when he's at his friendliest and he, he is a very friendly guy and I'm working with him, you know, it's still like, Oh God, I'm talking to Jigsaw, <laughs> you know, it, it, he's in, he, he can be intimidating even if he, if, if it's the last thing he wants, you know, and if, and if he does disagree with you, he can, he can be intimidating and it is the thing he wants. <laughs> so, but he's, he's a true pleasure to work with. I can say that with certainty, but l- like I said, he has very strong convictions and, uh, um, you know, he, he, he lets them be known and he can be a, a real terrier in, in enforcing them. And Kevin, did I pick up correctly? You said that Tobin wrote a lot of his own dialogue for this film. Oh yeah. He, he has for all the, the soft films, but uh, in this one, for sure, there are some some significant scenes. Uh, you know, not all of which made the cut, but plenty did, plenty did, and particularly when he's when he's kind of philosophical or or, or metaphorical, a lot of that comes from him, and he's uh, he's very dogged in trying to uh, make sure that the, the the concept behind the traps works in philosophically with what's. What's that character's flaw, for example, and uh, how how can we make, you know, somebody who we saw do one thing, without trying to get too specific and spoilery, then also, um, uh, you know, live and die by the same sword as it, as it would. But um, to to that, I can say that in in this movie, there was the original script, and we have certain characters that you know wind up in his clutches. Uh, where for story reasons, I had to kind of swap around. Well, instead of that person winding up in this situation, it needs to be this. And so I mixed the metaphors a little bit. He was okay with it. But <laughs> he, definitely, he definitely caught it. He's like, why isn't this one? And I'm like, well, I hate to say it, but blah, blah, blah. There are a lot, there's a lot of, you know, sort of chains of logic that have to be observed and it can, and what, it can be pretty tortured. What point is that sort of um, Tobin input happening? Does he get a version of the script that he then tweaks or is it a, more of an on the day, on, on set? He's like, oh, actually, I think he should say this. Well, it's uh, there, there are three times. It's it's in the script stage or, you know, when he first gets the script, he's immediately going to have some things to say. And then when we're in uh, in preparation for making the film, he'll have some things on the set for sure. But even... In post-production, 
uh, like when we were doing ADR, uh, I'm trying to think what, well, I definitely don't want to go down the spoiler road uh, with this one, but he, he said, oh, you should add me saying, and he had, he had two or three things that after the movie was edited, we added from him. So it can happen at any, at any point. Nice. And has he seen the film and given you a, a, a review of it? Yeah. 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 I, I think, I think he's very happy with it. He, he definitely had his, his notes and uh, you know, I did, I did as much of them as I could, you know, but yeah, he was, he was happy for sure. He's definitely John Kramer is definitely at his most sympathetic that he's ever been in the series as a whole. Not that we're condoning the actions of a vigilante serial killer led the record show. <laughs> serial killer or justice bringer? Potato, potato. <laughs> Something I had to delete from the cut just because it was so long, but John is verbally sparring with a person and uh, the person says, you're a murderer. And he says, I'm just a healer. And the person says, Right. And John Wayne Gacy was just a clown. <laughs> so uh, it's not in the film, but it'll be in the deleted scenes on the DVD. So. Oh, and after this episode airs, it will be on the Saul Wikia too. <laughs> but going back to my question, kind of, you know, considering how sympathetic the film makes him, um, do you think that kind of kickstarts the question of whether his game the entire game that then you know is set off uh in the whole franchise feels more justified almost well uh i feel like it's it's going to feel a lot more justified in this film than it is in the others with with the exception of one sequence in this movie i think most of them were going to be like oh yeah that put that person in that situation it's 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 still rash, but it's, you know, if you look back on some of the previous thoughts, like he smokes, he's going in a trap, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he tries too hard to save people. He's going in a trap. It's like, okay. You know, so, um, you didn't pay attention to your son. So that's the same thing as wanting your son to be killed. Right? <laughs> exactly. With Cat Stevens playing in the background. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I, I do feel like it makes him, um, more sympathetic and, uh, it's it's a little bit funny because I've always been a champion of the very early John Kramer, particularly the one from Saw One, where you you hear the anger in his voice when he, but just before he uh, slashes Danny Glover's throat, he's like, "I'm sick of it all," you know, like it's really angry, mm -hmm. and um, we get a few spikes of anger in this one, but but to me that was like that's John Kramer, and over the course of the series when he starts to be perceived as a vigilante or even even more kind of loony as a, as a cult leader i think when i think where i started to really bump is when you, you not only some of the characters the apprentices seem to be taking what he's doing seriously as like a a way of life um but the filmmakers ourselves it, it really started to bump against me. And I'm like, we need to, if we, if I ever make another saw, we're going back to that super angry John. But I guess I'm kind of the hypocrite because when you see the movie, it's not, it's not that. It's not like, let's just go back to this fierce psychopath. We're trying something totally different. But it's, it's about range, right? Because I mean, that was the thing that struck me most about this movie, again, without spoilers, but it's, you get to see Tobin Bell play I mean, like you said, there's the kind of a softer, more hopeful side, but there's also the really super angry side. And I, I think, I mean, you're right that obviously there's that progression across the series as a whole, but within a single movie, I don't think we've seen 
this much variation from him, right? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. And uh, he and I, you know, we, we, we always try to distill the theme of a film. And he and I both um, agreed that the theme of this movie is hope and hope destroyed. Mm. Right. And so uh, that I feel kind of was, was a good guidepost for, for both of us as we, as we worked on this. And, and frankly, for, um, for the, the composer, Charlie Clauser, you know, I really started to push like, we need this musical hope theme to be a big part of, of the, the, the story. And it's very different music than he's ever composed for a Saw movie before. And uh, it took it took a long time to, to find that. But I think we did. So, yeah. And, and like you say, the idea of hope destroyed kind of does motivate the the jigsaw that we see later in the franchise. So it's quite it's nice in terms of the way that Saw has played with its timeline so much. This is one of those those moments that really, really works to kind of help you understand the guy we see him become later. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Shall we zoom out a bit and ask a little bit more about some of the sort of the wider franchise? Because, um, I mean, we're coming up for almost 20 years for you um, living with Saw. Or is it, in fact, is it 20 years? What point did you come on board? It was it was almost to the day 20 years ago that we started shooting. Well, happy oh, anniversary. So I think, yeah, thanks. It was I think it was September 13th or 19th, or 16th or 19th, something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, there's no way that you or anyone could have known the the way that that one independent horror movie would grow and give birth to this huge raging franchise. Um, but take us back to that moment 20 years ago. You know, what was it like taking on that first editing job and kind of entering this this well, what would become the world of Saw? Did they have? Did you have to fight for the job, or was it just like <laughs> someone offered it you? Or uh, yeah, it was kind of um, kind of a weird process because I was I was an assistant editor uh, when I got hired mm -hmm. for this one, and um, you know, frankly, pretty frustrated because I had at the very least I wanted to to become an editor, and I was uh, you know not succeeding in that regard. I, I was working on you know some pretty big movies as an assistant, but it's not that creatively rewarding. Um, so I had uh, I had worked for a, a, an executive producer named Greg Hoffman from Disney, and uh, he I, I did a gag reel for this movie George of the Jungle Two that <laughs> no he way. produced. And yes, uh, in fact, I'm the voice of the Tookie Bird in George of the Jungle Two. So oh next time you watch that film uh, <laughs> that you've never heard of, uh, I have actually it, uh, seen it. George of the Jungle too. Yeah, too. Yes, I've seen the first one many, many times, and I have indeed seen the second one too. Anyways, I, I made a gag reel that um, you know, I, I guess I took out all my uh, creative frustration on like, you know, I'm going to set my assistant editor duties aside and just make the greatest gag reel ever made. So I <laughs> got stuff and I used uh, you know Adobe After Effects, which was pretty new at the time, and uh, and just went kind of crazy. Uh, you know, making something really spectacular. And then a few months after we finished that film, he asked me if I wanted to edit this new film he was producing. And it was Saw, of course. And, uh, you know, I was like, of course. And, you know, why are you asking me? There's lots of other people. But, you know, the fact is it paid almost nothing. It was the, the hardest working hours I've ever done before or since working with James. Uh, on that film, um, and nobody, nobody really had any plans for it to be that 
obviously, <laughs> you, you never you never mm -hmm. assume anything like that. And uh, it was uh, it was really only at Sundance, which we, we, we screened the film less than four months after we started shooting. And we shot on film and we cut negative and did tradition like it was so hard. Uh, I, I just lived at James and Lee's crappy little apartment in Hollywood the whole time we did that. Uh, but obviously it was worth it. What was that schedule motivated by? Was it that the thought was to play Sundance so you had to hit that deadline? Yeah, I mean, originally it was it was accelerated just because they were cheap. Like they gave <laughs> us. I'm serious. They gave us they gave us three weeks to lock picture from when we finished shooting. Three weeks is nothing. I can I can assure you. It's I've never heard of a film getting, and I didn't have an assistant editor on it. So uh, that's scary. I know it was it was it was rough and. Um, they, we wound up getting two extra weeks because Carrie, Carrie always, we brought him in and showed it to him. And he's, you know, called Mark and Lawrence like, guys, what are you doing? Give him two more weeks. And it's like, yay. I didn't know that. So Carrie's kind of like the savior of, of getting such a great cut on. He, he definitely was a, was a big part of, uh, he, was, he was the reason we got those two extra weeks. But um, then uh, at the time, you know, we were, we were probably only about two weeks into the edit when, um, we had to submit it to Sundance and then, you know, we got the word back. We got into Sundance. It's like, yay, again. I've, I've since learned when I'm working on films in fall, when they say we got into Sundance, it's time to cry because you, that, that means you're working over Christmas and New Year's Eve and you're, you're making all these other people work over that period and never get to see their families again. It's happened to me quite a few times uh, since then. So... If you're going to get into Sundance, do it in August, please. <laughs> I feel like one of the things we we read a lot about Saw is that it came out and was almost a response to the kind of snark of like the scream type of cycle of postmodern horror where people could be being killed and barely taking it seriously. Like Saw has always taken death really seriously, which is nice, I think. You know, things like Scream loved it, loved loved the recent ones, but um Again, it's comedy horror in a way, and um, it just it just doesn't attract me that much. And so I think there is some very light humor in uh, in Saw X, but I hope to God there's, that it doesn't feel campy. No, you know, it certainly that's, that's, doesn't. That's what I don't want to do the most. And on a more serious note, one of the things that aligns the new Saw with Saw 6 um, is kind of its angle on healthcare and fraudulent healthcare and the pitfalls of it, of it and kind of the the fake hope that is sold to people who are suffering. And I wonder kind of what about kind of this idea made you want to explore it, explore it further? Well, <clears throat> the, the original idea for this movie came from the writers, mm. not from me. You know, they I think that they already knew that they wanted to explore a, a sort of singular timeline in the early saw period so that they didn't need any excuse for john to be present in the film through flashbacks and that sort of thing so they found that moment in uh, in saw six where john asks william about getting coverage for this experimental treatment from norway and you know that's that's what started it off so uh as much as i like that saw six took on healthcare. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> which at the at the time it, it like it was just a few months before it really exploded because we made that film right as Barack Obama was becoming president here. For me, even this is kind of subliminal, but what I feel when I am making this movie and, and watching it is that 
right now there are so many liars in the public space, you know, particularly politicians, but also people in the in the media and other fields. Um, Electric Carmen, <laughs> um, <laughs> this idea that you can now just sort of lie to people and most won't believe you, but enough will that you can do terrible, terrible damage in the world. So t to me, that's what this movie is about. It's not anything specific to healthcare. Although I did think of Theranos with their kind of, uh, you know, the blood, one prick of blood company that had like never made any of that work and literally had a meaningless box with bleepy lights on the outside that they would take into investor yeah, meetings yeah. and go, but this is the actual product. <laughs> for, for sure. And um, what's her name? Elizabeth uh, oh, Holmes, Holmes, was it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I asked a person to watch that documentary as prep for this. Not that not that Holmes is being emulated, but just to sort of like show these people are real. And we understand that in the, the script, they just sort of write in, you know, trap and the traps are kind of worked out a, a little later. Did you, how much input did you have into that side of things, into the traps? You know, I think I think in this in this script, um, the guys wrote pretty close for the most part. I mean, some some of the traps changed a lot, especially the last the last one was completely different. Uh, the last couple were were different. There were some themes there, though, that uh, that are the same. But the mechanics of it were totally different. And, uh, you know, but the, the, the heavy lifting was done by Josh and Pete, for sure. And uh, but, you know, the, the making them work is something that's totally different. And so we had to modify a lot through the testing process and the prosthetics creation and all that. Uh, it was, it was, it was being, it was worked on up until the shooting day, you know, it's so hard to do. It's so hard to do because it's easy enough, I guess, to say, oh, this would be a really scary way to kill someone, but it just isn't that. It has to fit into the story. It has to fit into the theme and it has to fit into what Jigsaw is all about. And when you, when you put everything together, it's, it's really hard. I mean, we've spent a lot of time in prep on Saw movies, just sitting in a room for us beating our heads in frustration. There must be some traps where it sort of seems on paper like that will be a really great way to kill someone or maim someone. And then when you get it in the room, it's like, actually, this just looks funny or doesn't look like as scary as we thought. Um, <laughs> have you ever had that? Or? Well, kind of. Um, in Saw 6, uh, there's a scene where William and the, the janitor at his company are chained up and they have to hold their breath longer than the other and the, the, the guy who we all know is going to die as a smoker which is why he's in a trap what a bad man <laughs> as he should uh, be <laughs> but so i've uh for the first time i've gone through a bunch of video that my assistant on saw six katrina seville shot while we were making the movie and it's it really is fun to go back and see all this stuff and particularly for me it was my first movie and I can see the fear in my eyes, <laughs> probably more than uh, would would. Be. But you know, it was it was. I was also kind of pleased that I wasn't just like standing in mute horror on the stage of you know amidst a hundred people trying to do this thing. But in that trap in particular, where uh, we're, we're prepping the actors and like trying to synchronize the movements of all the prop people that are operating the chest compressor thing and the air breather and the lights and all that stuff. And the assistant editor just was looking at me like, this is so stupid. But, and it, and it, it felt stupid. And the actors were good sports, but they were like, 
huh, you know, because <laughs> we're holding our breaths and that's scary. It's like, well, yeah, because, you know, you see the regulators and we're going to hold on it and then you'll see like little tiny movements and it'll create tension. And we're like, hmm. And, and, and at one point, Steve, the assistant director, uh, you know, turns to the camera to Katrina and is like, you really shouldn't be filming this because it just looks so stupid. But we shot the movie, we shot the scene right after that based on, you know, the discussion we had. And I, I think the scene's good. It's maybe not one of the iconic ones, but it's very different than the rest. And so, um, I quite know. like that one. We've tried when I've been watching it with a group of friends to hold our breath. But like in sync with it while we're watching it to see, you know, where we would get to and all of that. I'll bet you did better than the characters. Yeah, because we're calm. <laughs> They've got the disadvantage of panic. Yeah, because they're about to die. But but yeah, they 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 all they all can. There's different times when you you finish the day and say, oh, we really got that right, and then there's other times where it's like, we're going to be back here, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> the worst feeling. And Kevin, before we let you go, do you have a favorite trap from Saw X or any of the other Saw films? Well, um, I'd say the, the the most visually effective and dramatic trap for me was the carousel from Saw Six. So for me, that's my favorite. I love that one. From Saw X, so um, there's there's one involving a Gili saw, and that that scene as a whole which is a pretty long scene, um, was very hard. Uh, that's one where Tobin had a lot of input um, in the dialogue, but it was uh, uh, just so much to film and so many camera angles that made me cry just thinking about it. Like, like when I watched that scene, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe we did it because I got COVID on the second day and we got shut down. And then when we came back, everybody else had COVID. It was, it was rough. It was really rough. But anyways, that scene and that, and that, test they're not traps they're tests uh is 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 my favorite so that test is probably the the most physically nauseated i've ever felt uh, watching a saw trap so <laughs> make of that what you will oh i i pray to god that somebody runs out in the lobby and throws up and like, makes it on <laughs> tv news because that's like publicity gold for a saw movie that's a great prayer to end on i think <laughs> Okay, good. We'll be praying that Saw X makes people throw up, Kevin, in droves. <laughs> even though, even though I've been, I've been saying like I don't, I want people that aren't into gore to want to come see this movie too. The same way they went and saw Jaws when I was a kid, even though it was like you know had this reputation as being super gory and all that. But it's something. It, it was the movie you had to see. Okay, so. so the cinemas can send you their carpet cleaning bill. <laughs> <laughs> happily happily major thanks to kevin for spending some time with us and for divulging his saw secrets now i know that i said that would keep things spoiler free in this episode but do you think we could dance around some trap chat i think we could have a little dance let's do it let's it's time for jigsaw's trap race so we've got to be really careful here, but I think if we restrict ourselves to stuff that you can see in the trailer and kind of don't go too far beyond that into reveals, we can have a little trap race. Um, so Anna, I'm going to throw some really vague titles at you and ju just to sort of see how you react in a sort of a spoiler-free reaction mm -hmm. zone. Um, brain surgery. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. See, for me, I, I, I mean... This was a nice squishy one. I think 
horror fans, it's not the first time you've come up against the idea of like someone being awake and having to stuff done to their skull. Stuff done to their skull. I think we've seen yeah. that in, in Hannibal, maybe. Yes. Um, and I seem to remember a fact from you know li literal biology that, that there's no nerves in the brain, so that gives it a kind of really sort of squicky okay so you can feel it on the outside but you wouldn't have any idea how much of your own brain you were removing if you were trying to do that so like so are you saying that saw x is sort of a medical school yes i'm saying you could watch saw x and emerge as a fully trained surgeon there would be no problems with that you can go out and practice uh <laughs> no lawsuits it'd be fine yeah, that sounds um, like a good time and an educational time. Okay, um, I have another one for you. Okay, uh, hit me. This one is is the briefest of glimpses in the mm. trailer, so I don't think we can say too much about it, but uh, Thigh Wire. This one. <laughs> so it really put me off wearing shorts or short skirts ever again. Let's just <laughs> say that without going into any further detail you know those those sexy little things what are they called like a garter that yes people put around their thigh yes. like, yeah yeah i'm not into wearing one of those after seeing this no although i can also absolutely see thigh wire becoming sort of a saw fashion element <laughs> yeah like a, a sort of it, it looks like wire but actually it's you know it's something else that you can just wear and yeah like if you wanted to go as a saw trap for halloween mm -hmm. this is a good and chic reference that you can use on your body. You could get it as a tattoo. You could. Uh, that would actually look quite cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, scalpel hands. You see, as someone who is uh, tragically clumsy, this is <laughs> triggering for me. Because this is how I feel sometimes if I'm cooking and then I have accidentally like, injured myself on a mandolin or with a knife or with a can of tuna or something. Mm -hmm. This is visually what I felt like in those scenarios. So it's it's an emotional trap for me. <laughs> well, I thought of um, Edward Scissorhands. I was like, maybe you don't have to Just put saying. this to, to dark uses. This could be a, a scalpel in a benign way. This could be for cooking. <laughs> we talked about a saw restaurant. <laughs> this is the chef. Perfect. Uh, eye tubes, which are on the poster. They and are. I mean, I had some guesses about what this might be before we saw the film. This was definitely one of my favorite traps mm -hmm. from the film. Uh, I'm not someone who is particularly squeamish about my eyes or eyeballs, but a lot of people are. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be controversial for several reasons, but it's very, very hardcore. Yeah, and I will say this is not what I, how I thought these eye tubes were going to go down. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say what I thought it was because that sort of confirms that it wasn't, but mm. it was not what I expected uh, in, in a fun way. And can I throw a last one at you? By all means. And similar to the thigh wire, we only see the briefest of glimpses in the trailer, mm -hmm. but it's enough to send an imagination wild, especially a sawhead's imagination. The tummy tickler. <laughs> now, I hope that the tummy tickler, like that this is what it becomes known as in oh, saw lore. Because if it is, then that's just the cutest name for a saw trap ever. Isn't it just? It makes you think of like teddy bears and lovely memories from your childhood, not a mechanical creature attached to one's stomach. And not to undermine the uh, the horror 
<laughs> the sheer horror of this trap with a cutesy name. But um, yeah, no, I this was a favorite moment for me for reasons actually beyond the trap itself. But again, we shouldn't say too much about that. I hope all of our dancing around the Saw X traps actually raises interest in watching it because it certainly delivers. Yes. Yeah. Um, I wish we could say more. So Catherine, initial thoughts on how your preferred Saw X trap that we've sort of danced around, um, how do you think it might go up against the former trap race winner, which as a reminder was the pound of flesh and how do you think it would go up against our personal favorite trap, which is the pig vat? Gosh, I mean, it is tricky to talk in a spoiler-free way about this stuff. Um, I One of the traps in Saw X is, to me, as disgusting as the pig vat. Like, it's got that kind of visceral, you can feel your stomach clenching because it's like, poor, that is just so rough. Um, and I would love to be able to tell you what it is, but it involves sort of some, a substance beyond blood, I'm mm. going to say. I think I know exactly the one you mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's another one that we have not mentioned that is only partially visible in the trailer mm. that I think would certainly go um, against Pound of Flesh for me. Right. In terms of how visceral it is. Um, it, it does not have that competitive angle that I yeah. know you love. We love the competitive angle in traps. Yes. But this one is a solitary one in a way, but it is very visceral, very hard to watch and beautiful in its simplicity in a way. Yes. Yeah, I know exactly the one you mean. Love it. That is it for this episode of Scene Saw and for this latest run of episodes. Got nothing left to do but go watch or re-watch Saw X, which is in cinemas now, or go re-watch the previous nine Saw films. Thank you so much for listening. This season of Seeing Saw is produced by Industrious Studios for Lionsgate. Thank you for sticking around through the credits of this podcast. You sound like someone who likes to stick around after the credits of a movie. Yes, and there are two reasons to do that with Saw X. The first is a fun little trivia thing, which is that you can see credited on screen the Trap Team. And they're obviously credited on IMDb as well, but it says things like Trap Construction, very granular. And in the credits of the movie, is I think that the only place where you'll see them credited as Trap Team, as they should be. It's a great credit to have. And the second trick you'll get if you stick around is you get a full scene, mid-credit scene, that puts Nick Fury to shame. (laughs) 